Hartemi, Hartemi, Hartemi. The post Larry Brooks joins us to talk about Artemi Panarin being a Hart Trophy finalist. How the Rangers have looked at camp and the goalie outlook as the playoffs are just over a week away. Hockey journalist Jillian Kemmerer will chat with us about Russian players and the story she broke of our guest this week. Speaking of our guest, we are joined by 1994 Rangers Stanley Cup champion, a tremendous hockey player who had a long NHL career and now KHL head coach Alexei Kovalev. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Welcome to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your damn podcast. Give us a five-star rating and write in a positive review, please. We got a stacked episode of the show just over a week away from the Rangers Stanley Cup playoff run. We're joined by our buddy, the Post, Larry Brooks, who has been at Rangers camp. We're also joined by a terrific journalist. She knows everything KHL and hockey, Jillian Kemmerer. And we are also joined by a guy that she broke a story on. It's Rangers great, 1994 Stanley Cup champion, Alexei Kovalev. But first, here he is, the star of the show, number 10, Ron Duguay. Thanks, Jake. As promised, we're going to have another good show today. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a Russian connection. Yes, a Russian connection in the news. Larry Brooks will be with us today, but he's going to talk about Panarin, nominated for the Hart Trophy, MVP of the league. We're going to talk about why we think he should win. And let me share with you why I think he should win. When you look at the value of what a player brings to a team, when you look at Dreisaitl in Edmonton, when he's got Connor McDavid, when you look at... Artemi Panarin on the Ranger team, do you think he still, he has that same kind of support? No, I don't think so. A lot of what he did, he did on his own. Yes, he had a supporting cast, but Panarin had a blowout season this year, and I feel that if he doesn't win, he sure deserves to win. But we're going to discuss all that with our guy, Brooksy, with the New York Post. Also in the news is Kovalev, who's been a fan favorite, New York Ranger fan favorite, was there in 94 when they won the Stanley Cup, and in his post-career decided to do some coaching. And we have some good news about him. He's going to be taking a head coaching job. All that coming up next on our show. Yeah, Ron, let's welcome in our first guest right now. She does a terrific job covering hockey, and she had the story broke. She broke it. She was the Woj of the KHL. If you, if you know Woj, she, she dropped a, a Jillian bomb, Jill bomb. And you can follow her on Twitter at Jillian Kemmerer. That's K-E-M-M-E-R-E-R. Don't try to say it 10 times fast. Uh, so give her a follow. And Ron, let's welcome her her in she will join you for the interview uh, with Alexei Kovalev Jillian welcome to up in the blue seats I know you're an avid listener to the show and we're glad to have you on for the first time thank you so much for having me the studio 54 stories got me through quarantine so thank you oh we're gonna go there huh (laughs) right off the bat (laughs) Jillian why don't you share with us your background and your interest in hockey and uh because I I know that you're Russian but you were not born in Russia you're born in the United States so tell us about your background 
background and your strong interest with hockey. So it's crazy. I'm actually not Russian. I'm American, but everyone thinks that I am because I've spent so much time over there. So the assumption is always that I'm Russian, but it's funny. Like hockey is really the reason that I wound up there in the first place and why I spent so much time in Russia. Cause I grew up in the nineties when the great first Russians were coming over to the NHL. And I was a little young for the 94 Rangers, but that late nineties Detroit Red Wings team and Sergei Fedorov really brought me into hockey. And even as a kid who didn't play, I could see that something was really different and special, special about them. And I wanted to spend a lot of time getting to know what made them so different and what gave them that elegant, intelligent style of play that really categorized all of the players of that generation and guys like Alexei Kovalev. So I went to college. I started studying Russian history, politics. I actually wound up moving over to the region, studying the language. And what I've always loved about Russia is that no matter what they do, they do it with style, whether it's the architecture, the hockey. And, and I always, it made such an impact on me and made me want to continue to get closer to the Russian hockey machine, the red machine, as they call it over there, um, as much as possible. And it's been just such an amazing adventure ever since. So you spent two years working with the KHL. Tell us what that was like. It was a lot of jet lag and a lot of long hours. So I actually was spending most of my time the first season with Kunlin Red Star, the team that Alexei Kovalev was the assistant coach for now head coach. So I was going back and forth to Moscow and Shanghai because that's where they were at the time. It was an amazing learning experience. I mean, a league that spans six countries and so many time zones, the amount of recovery, the the amount of just sheer logistics that goes into planning that season is unbelievable. Um, you see so many young, brilliant Russian players coming up the pipeline. I got to see guys like Igor Shostyorkin and Ilya Sorokin uh, in their prime right before they came to the NHL. I got to see Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, so it was very cool to watch some of these young guys going up and up through the KHL, as well as seeing some of the guys come from the NHL and play in the K because that's common. And some guys of Chinese descent like Brandon Yip and Victor Bartley, who played in the NHL, are now playing for Kunlin Red Star Beijing. So watching their transition and getting to see the differences in culture was really interesting for me. All right. So you brought it up. We enjoy our Islander Ranger rivalry. And uh, so what you're saying, we're going to see a goaltending rivalry between those two coming up? The czar of New York has not been decided yet. So Igor Shostyorkin has been holding on to that title for a little while, but his best friend Sorokin is, is just getting off the plane now. They couldn't be more different stylistically. They're very different goaltenders, but they met at a Team Russia camp when they were teenagers. And they became fast friends, which is hilarious because they sat at either ends of one of the biggest KHL rivalries. So I think it's underappreciated that Moscow, St. Petersburg has that New York, L.A. vibe. Everybody has one and they they pick it. Moscow is the sort of gritty capital, fast paced. Petersburg's the imperial, beautiful European capital, Peter the Great. So you have two very different cities and two teams that derive their history from the Soviet Red Army. So it's called the Army Derby. And these guys sat on either end of that rivalry at the peaks of their KHL careers. Now they're coming over to New York. It couldn't have worked out better for their friendship, for their continued pushing one another. And I spoke with Sorokin at the All-Star Game in January, and he was saying, this friendship has always pushed both of us forward. And as much as I love to compete with him, I love when the game is over and we can hug each other and shake hands and, and have fun again. So I think it's going to be a really exciting matchup for Rangers and Islanders fans. Why don't you share with us what you know about Igor? Ranger fans are hearing, well, they're seeing him play and he's been a really good goaltender and they're hearing that there's a certain confidence or calmness 
about him when he plays. Do you know that about him? He is a steel trap. He is just an unbelievably confident, maybe even bordering on arrogant, but totally backed up. And I mean it in the nicest way possible. He has this edge to him. And I feel like it was Brooksy who said it best. He, he compared him to a Jacques Plante, a showman. And I think that's absolutely true. He's very calm, very collected, whereas Sorokin is more aggressive. He challenges shooters. Um, you tend to see a lot of big Cirque du Soleil style acrobatic saves out of Sorokin. Yorkin has a bit more of a, a calm demeanor. His lateral movement is like lightning. He's so exciting for me to watch. And he's always been that way. And kind of a fun fact about him is if you ever look at his helmet, um, he has a six card on one side and an ace on the other, which are the two highest and lowest cards in Duraka Russian card game. And the joke is that his last name comes from Shestyorka, which is the nickname for the six card in the deck. But my Russian colleagues always joke, the reason he has the ace on the other side is like, I might be called a Shestyorka the six, but I really am an ace. And I think that that mentality is why he transitioned to the NHL so well. So what would it be like for a hockey player to play in an environment in Russia with the Russian audience compared to playing at Madison Square Garden? Is there a difference? There is a difference. I think in St. Petersburg, where Igor is from and where he's been playing, um, not from there originally, but where he's played for his whole career, it has a bit more of a European soccer vibe. So they chant, they have huge flags, they bang drums, and they sing for the whole game. And it's it's really a fun atmosphere. I love it. That stadium's right on the water. Funny enough, um, their jerseys look just like Rangers jerseys. In fact, the vintage one that says Leningrad that they wear, it's blue and red with Leningrad on the diagonal. And the new stadium, which hasn't, I think it's kind of in process at the moment or it's getting ready to be built, is going to have a glass tunnel like Madison Square Garden. So the connection is so funny between St. Petersburg and New York. But it has a bit more of a soccer vibe, which is ironic because Oleg, um, Igor's father, was a professional soccer player in Russia, but they have great fans, especially in St. Petersburg. A lot of players say it's very hard to play away there, um, but I'm sure Madison Square Garden was electric. I was there for his debut at MSG, and it was so fun to see the fans behind him, even when he struggled a little early on in that first game against the Aps. You're a, uh, you've been following hockey in a while. You've been writing about it, and you've been in the KHL. When you're thinking about what we're going to see now with the playoff format, what is it that comes to mind when you, when you, is there a level of excitement with the playoffs starting with this different format for you? For the NHL? Yeah, yes. absolutely. I mean, I've never seen hockey played on my birthday, so it'll be fun for some August games. But, you know, the fact that the pace is so heavy, the fact that the games are close together, I think that there's just so much excitement building and it's going to build right up into my KHL season. So I'm just going to be going nonstop hockey to hockey, which, you know, as a someone who's a journalist and a super fan at heart, I, I couldn't be more excited about that. And I think we're going to see some great performances out of New York's Russians, which is what really excites me. Well, what I need to tap into, because we've talked about it on this show, is women's hockey. Uh, Amanda Kessel has been my guest. I know you've been following some hockey in Russia. Has uh, hockey in Russia, because I in Canada and the United States are the two powerhouses. What's the update on women's hockey in Russia? So back in 2015, the KHL took the WHL, the Russian Women's Hockey League, under its wing. And I think traditionally we've seen that when men's leagues provide that help, the resources, the, the assistance on the TV deals, the talent, it really helps to expedite the development of the women's league. And that's certainly what we've seen here. And funny enough, um, Alexei Kovalev's team, Kunlin Red Star, they have a women's team. And that team moved to the Russian league 
for the first time this past season. They swept the finals and won the first ever title for Chinese hockey. And I was on the ice with them in UFO when it happened in March. You rarely see a women's team lead the way for a men's team. And it was just such an amazing moment, not only for women's hockey, and that team is filled with actually some import players like Alex Carpenter, Olympic silver medalist, Bobby Carpenter's daughter, Nora Ratu, the Finnish goaltending legend. But there are tons of Chinese nationals who have been mentored by these girls. So it was a huge moment for China as well. And you could just see the emotion bringing home that title to their country and, and showing what this investment in hockey through Kunlun Red Star has really meant to the country and to the development of hockey in general. Well, Jalian, we're, we're going to leave it there. Appreciate your time. Uh, we're going to do a follow-up with you once the playoffs get started, especially when the KHL gets started, because I know you're going to be following Alexei. We're going to want to hear about him. So we'll do a follow-up sometime in the future. But for today, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. And also for the listeners, go to thecaviardiplomat.com. And that's where you could see her Kovalev story and other cocky coverage as well. And at Jillian Kimmerer on Twitter. Uh, joining us now, Rangers beat writer at the New York Post, Larry Brooks joins us. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Read all of his Blue Shirts coverage in the Post and at NewYorkPost.com. Larry, welcome to the show today. Uh, I know you're on your day off. I have uh, I got a lot of things to ask you because I so wish I was at training camp because I'm so curious to be able to kind of see exactly through my eyes what's going on in training camp because things are so different right now. And I'm assuming for you, going to camp and going to these practices, are you viewing these practices a little bit different that you would have done, like, say, in a normal training camp? I am, and and I and I'll tell you what what and I and I think this is probably true for the coaches, although I I assume and I hope they have a better handle on it than I do. I'm having a little trouble putting it all into context. I I, I don't know where they are. <laughs> you know, it, you know, a training camp, everything. You know, a season has its natural rhythms, and you get to training camp, and guys have been building up for it, and everybody's in good shape when they come to camp now. And in fact, teams are playing exhibition games on on like the fourth day of regular training camp. So you know, they're primed and ready to go in a normal September, October. This is just thin out of context. Like you know, they're up for four months now. Now they're skating, and in another week, they're gonna they're gonna essentially a playoff game. So. So it, it's very hard for me to determine where they are. You know, I, you know, you, you see guys who look good, like Capo. I mean, uh, Capo all, all week. I mean, he's he's been very, very good since they've gotten back. But you have to remind yourself, these are scrimmages and practices against players who are in different condition, different shape. I tend to believe that the veterans here are all working on their own pace. They kind of are ramping up on their own. Although I will say, I think that starting yesterday, there was a little more urgency in the way they went about their business and a little more urgency in the communication from the coach. Because, you know, again, we're we're a week from Saturday from game one of a best of five. So um, I imagine every team in the league is going to start to ramp it up right now. The one question, the one thought on everyone's mind is gold because we know this team we know what this team can do I want to say the big question mark but the question mark is goaltending do you find yourself paying more attention to the three goaltenders on how they're playing at camp kind of try to figure out who do you think is going to start or do you think that's in your mind that's already been established 
I think it's been established. Um, I, I think in order for the for the order to have been reversed, I, I think that not only would both Lundqvist and Georgiev have needed to be exceptional during training camp, but Shesterkin, who entered camp as the incumbent, would have would have to have been deficient. And I don't see I don't see a bit of deficiency in Igor Shesterkin. I really don't. Um, I think I think Lundqvist has had a, a very very good camp. He's been really sharp. He's been very good. But so has Shesterkin. And Shesterkin had the job. I, th- I think there are uh, reasons you want a goaltender who can handle the puck as, as well as Shesterkin does, playing uh, certainly against Carolina. So I think, honestly, man, with the job being Shesterkin's to lose, and he hasn't lost it. You know, he's, he's just put a firmer grip on it. However, I, again, has played I think has been very good. And I think that, and I think I've said this before, I believe I wrote this the other day, that I think the key decision for David Quinn will come if Shesterkin has a tough first game, if the Rangers have a tough first game, or if they look tired in game two um, and Shesterkin looks off in game two because game three is a back-to-back. So I think the decision will come for Quinn, the tournament not before the tournament. I think I think the decision's been made. For the Rangers, there might be a little bit of a bump in the road right now, let's say, with uh, the announcement of Lemieux being suspended for the first two games. What do you think that means to the Rangers? Because he, the way he finished, he was playing really well. He was very much in control and not necessarily taking bad penalties. He's, he was finding his way. Does that put the Rangers at a disadvantage or in this type of series not going to make much of a difference? I think there's a, there are a team that has uh, depth issues to begin with so when you won even you know one of your top 12 it begins to put a strain on you what what i what i really like over the last month or so of of the season or after the team got uh, go to and put him in the lineup is that for the first time in two years i think david quinn had a line he trusted had a fourth line that had some purpose and that was with Lemieux on the left and McKaig in the middle and Gautier on the right and he and he used them as four line coaches use their fourth line he, he put them out uh, to change momentum they were a good hard hard forechecking line they were they were created some disturbance and David Quinn was giving them some uh, a pretty good rotation now you've got with Lemieux out you know you've got now the 13th forward bumping in um, so you've got Di Giuseppe who's certainly a varsity forward with the way he played the last month of the season. You've got him. You've got him in the lineup now. But one more injury to a forward in the first two games really, you know, kind of strains them. I think it's unfortunate for Lemieux that he's going to be at because I agree with you. I, I thought. Um, I thought the last few weeks, the last month or so, he played. Um, he played pretty disciplined hockey and was pretty effective. And I thought, in fact, his issues with the referees that dominated the first half of the year dissipated after he came back from his broken hand. And I thought he was in much control. However, he was in no control when he threw the elbow at Don's score. So, you know, he and the Rangers will pay for that. Well, I want to end it on a really positive note, and that's talking about their MVP number 10, Panarin. He's part of the uh, Hart Trophy nomination, and uh, I was kind of surprised when you asked him about it. He was kind of, he was surprised to be nominated. What are your thoughts on why would he think that? Because he had such a good season. Well, he's very modest. I'm not sure whether he was entirely caught by surprise and, you know, possibly something that, that never occurred to him. Um, but he is a very modest guy. He, he does not talk himself up at all. I mean, honestly, you know, 
talking to him after games in which he which he puts on a show. It's um, it's it's a matter of fact. He's matter of fact about it. That he knows who he is. Who, as as everyone has said, basically from day one of training camp, he seems like the happiest person in the world. He just does. We thank you, Larry. Thank you for your time on your day off, and we'll talk again this time next week. Thanks, Ryan. I look forward to it. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today played over 1,300 games in the NHL. He was drafted first round, 15th overall by the New York Rangers in 1991, where he played nine years, including the special season of 94, winning the Stanley Cup. Over 19 seasons, he accumulated over 1,000 points. In his post-hockey playing career, he has spent time teaching and coaching at the amateur and professional level. Yesterday, he accepted the head coaching job of the KHL Cunlin star team. Welcome, Ranger great, fan favorite, Alexei Kovalev. Jeez, I wish I have a skate on and an ice in front of me. <laughs> what a presentation. Thank you. Alexei, along with us, we have another special guest to whom you've talked to, who broke the story on you coaching in the KHL, and that's Jillian. You've talked to Jillian Kevimer, who's a uh, journalist. Yeah, Jillian probably knows so much about me now than uh, anybody else. Might as well sign off right now. This was great. Thanks, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Alex, um, with our listeners, a lot of them are Ranger fans. We like to tap into every year the 94 season 26th anniversary just passed so we've talked about it a lot I'm thinking in 91 you come to New York and I have to ask you as a young Russian hockey player when you were looking and watching the NHL what would have been a team that you thought you wanted to be drafted by well at that point uh, first of all we didn't have much of access uh, to see uh, NHL games the only first NHL the very first NHL game I saw when uh, a scout which was from uh, Sweden that uh, found me and been following me and uh, when I got drafted he started sending me he actually brought me video player uh, video cassette player and uh, I don't know if it was his or he actually went to the store and bought it but without, it was without a box so I guess it was just one of his and he brought me some uh, video cassettes to watch and he said like you know watch this video get used to how the Rangers play so uh, that was probably my first introduction to like how the NHL plays but you know me and my dad we used to watch uh, a lot of uh, Canada Cup uh, you know series you know, world championship, Olympic championship, and definitely, uh, you know, sitting there in the, in the living room with my dad and looking at all these, you know, top end players, you know, uh, you know, from hockey, uh, from the Russian side or from uh, Canada, US, and you, you would never thought like that one day you're actually going to be in the states and playing with his players. And then here I am. I mean, I had an experience playing with one of the best players and uh, and I'm still once in a while thinking about it and when uh, people bring that up. Like, you know, what, what do you think about this and this guy? And I'm like, I, I still can't believe that actually being a young kid. And it's like probably the same for any other young kid now when they, they look at you and they're like, oh, geez, I now I have a chance to practice with him or train by him or to play with him. So it was a little bit uh, different lifestyle back then. You know, the access to hockey and access to uh, you know professional players I mean I used to uh, go I knew what the practices what time the practices were for professional team I would go one hour early two hours early just uh, 
sit behind a you know on the bench somewhere behind the glass and just watch professional team how they skate, how they pass, how they like do things, and visually trying to learn this game and trying to um, you know trying those things when I step on the ice on my own and trying to correct them or make it like make it different ways. So it's pretty much just a, a visual and a self person. Uh, these days, you know, it's hard to find a lot of kids like that who would actually study players and you know they watch a lot of NHL games, but they uh, they're not really trying things or they're not studying the right way. And when I talk to even to my kids, like certain things I'm trying to ask them, you know, they they not even the answer that I want to hear. So, but uh, I mean, it's 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 really unique. I mean, as people ask like, what would you change in your career? I said I would never change anything because this is uh, one of the best experiences I had, and I think I give my hundred uh, percent. So let me ask as a young Russian man, because I've gotten to know you, you're a uh, somewhat of a quiet guy. Was going to New York a little intimidating for you when you first got there? I know you must have felt comfortable because there were a couple of Russian players on the team. Was it intimidating to you or did you welcome the big stage of New York and Madison Square Garden? Was it something that you felt brought the best out of you or did it take you a while to adjust? Well, when I first came, uh, I didn't speak any English. Sergei Nemchinov was the only guy who was here. And uh, even uh, Sergei was only spent about a year. I think he knew a little bit of English when he got here. But at that point, uh, you know, the motivation, the, the you know vision I had when I was coming to NHL, even the first year when I first just came for a training camp, and then I had to fly back because I told that they wanted, they wanted to stay right away. But I told them, I said, you know, I got a lot of big events coming up, and I, I want to go through them first before I come and sign with the Rangers. I remember first time stepping on the ice, you know, in front of like you know eighteen thousand, uh, you know, people crowd, and it was definitely took me a while to to make to adjust. But at the same time, I knew how good I was, and at that point, because I didn't speak uh, any English, but I was trying to show how I speak. Hacking, uh, hockey language and uh, you know I step on the ice and my goal was to uh, to show people what what I can do and you know I wouldn't have to explain anything they would they would know everything who I am and what I am so it definitely it definitely was a little bit tough at the beginning but we we adjust to anything that's our, our uh, you know that's a human nature so Alex you're very fortunate to have gotten drafted by the New York Rangers at a good time where Neil Smith was the manager and uh, Messier was there and Neil Smith was wanting to build a Stanley Cup team. So you went through the process there. You're there in 91 and you got to grow with this team as a drafted player. So what did you see from 91 to 94 that made a difference to the point where you guys end up winning? Because I know and speaking to Neil Smith, he felt like in 93, they needed to make a coaching change because they didn't seem like they were going to, they were moving ahead, winning enough. So can you share with us what you thought you saw at the time, what you thought maybe was missing to make you guys into a Stanley Cup team? Two things. I think uh, the definitely, uh, you know, being in Russia and and working under um, uh, top coaching, definitely the first thing comes to your mind when you see different coaches and how, I wouldn't say soft, but they, like, they're not really into it. They're not pushing players hard. This is what we used to. You know, uh, like if you, for example, old days, uh, I think it's still sometimes the same, uh, in, in you know, even these days. But when you hear, like, all this cursing on the bench from between the player and the coach and, you know, the coach sometimes even like hit the players uh, 
somebody in the head or whatever, like grab a stick, hit him in the pads or whatever. So like they, there was, you know, a completely different approach of coaching, uh, you know, we had in Russia. And when you come here and all of a sudden like, oh, no, everything just kind of easy going and, you know, have one practice a day because, versus what we used to do. Uh, we practice twice a day, once twice on the ice and once on the, on the off the ice. And now like, oh, you know, one practice, like what are I going to do in the rest of the day? Like, you know, you practice and that's it. So like right from the start, I, I felt that uh, I didn't feel it was kind of vacation place, but I felt, you know, coach is not pushing hard enough. And the other thing, not much skill in the team. Uh, it was more uh, of a uh, hard, hard working team. Um, a lot of players that really like skating a lot and work hard, you know, work hard, but just work hard and have not skill just trying to maybe get a couple goals and sit on it. Like, it, you know, you can't play the two games like that. So uh, I think that's one of the things was the skill missing on the team. And I think in 92, 93, you know, when Messier came in, I think uh, um, we, the team started looking for more kind of uh, like a separation between hardworking team and, and the skill team and we that and that's what we got afterwards like we slowly will getting to that point and uh, and, and finally uh, 93 94 the the last puzzle when we had that big trade at the end of the season uh, we got all the Edmonton boys it was a complete team you know we had the two good lines that uh, they can do the job can score goals third line that can play against any best line uh, from other team and not letting them be successful and fourth line it was like a grinder line who can come out and uh, uh, not give up the goals but at the same time uh, give other lines uh, rest I mean we were so uh, like a, not matched but uh, like so complete team uh, at that point um, and it was completely different team what I what I saw the first I came to the Rangers. Alex there's so much talk about the differences between Russian and North American styles of hockey and especially the fact that you were among the last Soviet players to come over from that tradition I'm curious when you moved to the NHL, did you notice any stylistic differences you had to get used to? Did you have to get more used to the physicality? What were some of the things that immediately struck you, the differences between the NHL and the Soviet League? The first feeling I had is like, oh my God, finally I don't have to skate so much. <laughs> 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 because we always play on ice at uh, the Olympic uh, ice surfaces, and there was so much space. You know, the the hockey uh, hockey style. I mean, the Russian hockey style. It's all about a lot of movement, a lot of skating, uh, passing the puck. Uh, when I got to NHL and realized that, uh, you know, in every step you're making, the you know, there's uh, always physical presence. And uh, you know, one thing I had to only adjust is, uh, you know, realize like I can't stop here. Like I always constantly moving, and when you're moving and you're moving in a different direction, changing direction. Uh, you know, you'd be successful. And plus, of course, you know, you, you didn't have to skate that much. You know, on, uh, on the Olympic side, you know, if you other team takes Spark away, it means you have to skate all the way back to the, you know, defensive zone. Here that, uh, you know, so much is happening in, in like, you know, 10, 15 feet uh, that you don't have to really, like, sometimes going back and forth so much um, and uh, that that was a uh, really small adjustment that I made but uh, it wasn't really that big of adjustments anyway but in overall I think it was much harder to uh, it was uh, from NHL probably return to Russia you know from small ring to go to big one and uh, you know that was probably the, the hardest one but now I mean the rings are a little bit smaller and uh, they call it the Finnish ice surface which is like between Olympic and NHL it's kind of slightly bigger than NHL still it's a lot of a lot of space and uh, players 
was uh, and the team was trying to find a way how to use that uh, extra space. I mean, like I said, I think that's the only adjustment that they have to make is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the game was the, uh, really straightforward. Uh, you know, you realize there's not much of a lateral movement. It's just kind of uh, rail, I call it rail game. You know, people go back and forth, you know, shoot the puck, hit finish checks and stuff like that. So, and that's what I came in and I try to uh, add a little bit of uniqueness uh, with my style, show that I'm not uh, trying to learn and play the same exact style. I'm trying to show them that there's another style you, you know you, you can play, and uh, you know it worked. And uh, and I hope I uh, could have done a little bit more, but I think I uh, achieved what I uh, what I trying to achieve. Hey, Alex, Jake Brown here, speaking for the uh, Twitter sphere, listener to the show, and fans of you. We had a couple of people who wanted to give comments, and then we'll have a question from Stewie Cookie. No question, just. Uh, tell him he was one of the, my favorite Rangers of the 90s, gutted when he left in a time in the 90s when the North American style was still dominant. Having the skills he did really stood out. The day he was traded from CH goalie 27, the day he was traded, I fell to the floor and cried. Got over it quick when he was used properly and stuck on my very favorite hockey line of all time with Strzok and Lang. Plus, it allowed me to be a Penguins fan. And then, uh, then the question we have for you is from M.G. Weissman. Alex, what did you like best about each of the cities you played? in nyc pittsburgh montreal ottawa and congrats on being one of the first russians to have their name engraved on the stanley cup well thank you for the yeah uh you know it's definitely unique to be the first russian and the uh, stanley cup but i mean talking about um you know what city i like the most i think uh you know for me it, it's hard to choose because i'm from a different country and every city you go to uh it has some kind of uniqueness to it i like to play with every city i mean of course uh, you know, if you grow up here and you know what New York like, you know what Boston like, or you're, you know, you know like Montreal like, of course, you know, you start thinking about, oh, you know, I wish I'd be there. I wish I'd be here. But uh, being from other country, I mean, for us, it's all just playing hockey. It's just playing hockey in a different team with the different players, but uh, still the same job. And uh, the, the only other thing is like, you know, you just uh, kind of excited to have a new experience uh, in a new city and see the new city, learn a new city, what the fans like, you know, get it, you know, meet the fans and get introduced to them and uh, see their reaction to your game. And, you know, it's, it's actually more unique, uh, changing. I mean, it's not that you want to do it and recommend to anybody, you know, changing places as many as you can. You know, it's not a good thing because, you know, adjust, adjustment to the team and the players. But at the same time, um, like I said, uh, you know, you're meeting different style of play. You're meeting different players the way they play. But at the same time, most importantly, is like you you there and you you excited to show like what you can do with that city for that team and see what, what the response is going to be from from the fans. Like what they think about your game. And one of them, uh, you know, is a huge response. Uh, and I I prove what kind of player I am in Pittsburgh playing with Robert Lang and Mari Straka. Um, of course, with the Jagger Lemieux, you know. Uh, occasionally and we had a great time in in montreal uh when we we had a sold out for like a, whatever you know five years and after that they they were sold out and we had a unbelievable games uh you know excited game and the, the response from the fans to your game like how they love the game how they leave the game and uh, as far as like you know they, they don't have 
any other sports. I think they, they had a soccer team that I think back then was playing in the second division. And they used to have a baseball team that uh, left. So the hockey was the main thing. But uh, the most importantly, they have a huge history uh, in Montreal uh, with hockey. And that was one of the uniqueness uh, to play a city like that with so much history and some way be part of that history yourself. Uh, and, you know, I was, uh, was able to experience that and every other city that I went to uh, you know like I said New York was it was unbelievable uh, because that was my first experience with the place win the Stanley Cup and have a parade after 54 years I mean just think about 54 years the last time team won the Stanley Cup and you part of that uh, history play for you know other teams uh, you know Ottawa I mean there's some uniqueness to it also and uh, you know, it was really fun to see you respond to the to your game and, you know, that kind of thing. Alex, before Jillian starts talking to you about your uh, new coaching job in China, I want to ask you, because I know you spent a lot of time teaching kids and doing some coaching. What was it about coaching that you thought you wanted to pursue it professionally? Just because I'm tired of sitting and not doing anything. Um I mean, I when I when I stopped playing hockey, I told myself that uh, there's no way I probably be dealing with hockey anymore because I started taking the acting classes. Uh, I was trying to get into the movie business more. Uh, I've been a couple of TV shows in Montreal, uh, Little Shar. Uh, I've been uh, part of the movie uh, Gooba Junior mo- movie that uh, came out, the latest one that came out was like two three years ago. But this business it just takes it so long to to you know to become more you know when uh, not become but uh, you know, be, yeah, become more like a, a active and be be a lot of uh, in a lot of movies or a lot of TV shows or commercials, whatever. So it's like they said, sometimes you have to wait for four or five years before you become really really busy. So I mean, for me, sitting and staying home, not doing anything, that's like that. I mean, for any hockey players you ask who retired, I mean, they probably after one year going crazy without do, doing anything. And uh, so same thing for me. I mean, I realized at one point, you know what, this is going to be taking a long time, and I. <clears throat> I need to do something else. Uh, you know, if, if the movie business, something from movie business come up, of course I can uh, accept it and maybe do it, but uh, uh, I need to do something else. And then I decided, you know what, like I'll, I'll try uh, myself uh, coaching while, uh, you know, because I would love to transfer my information to, you know, my knowledge to, uh, you know, to young kids who sometimes you're watching, uh, you know, them play and they struggle because nobody can tell them what's wrong with him, like why he cannot... Uh, be successful and what he needs to do to you know to become a better player and uh, you know and I decided okay I'll uh, I'll try see how it goes and so Alex um, recently you spent some time with Panarin and you actually took him up on your plane and so what was that experience like for yourself with him just to remember myself being that young and imagine me being that young coming young and coming to uh, Rangers and Mark Messier say like Alex let's go go fly I think that's probably you know he maybe feels the same way but he seems like a really good kid and you know it's great to be around and he comes to uh, with his wife uh, comes to our house uh, you know hang out together we talk about different things and uh, I mean we uh, you know it's like I said he's, uh, he's a fun kid being around and seems like uh, really even he trying to say that uh, when we talk about hockey and I was like oh I don't I care less like I just want to you know of course I want to win I want to compete but like I care less but I know he's 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 uh, he's, he's just saying that and uh, just to calm himself down from 
you know, maybe not being uh, be nervous about certain things, and which is that's what I experienced when I was young. But uh, you know, I can see he's like he's really motivated. He's really looking forward for you know this round they're gonna have. Uh, you know, hopefully they you know have a success in the in the playoff. But like I said, it was it was a good experience. But the funny thing is, he came to me and with he the way he talked, uh, he uh, reminded me when I first came to uh, to the league, and I was like, I want to try this, I want to try that, and like you know, I want to just try everything because it feels like I have access uh, to everything here versus you know when you're in Russia. Which is it is uh, much easier access, uh, and then you know we start talking about different things he likes to do, and we play tennis together, and he like he wants to get you know better at tennis, and we you know I give him some, you know we had some games, and I give him some tips and stuff, and so he wants to really learn this game now until he beats me. Then uh, uh, you know he said like I really like to learn to fly, and I said well, like how much do you want to learn to fly? And he said well I, I don't know, like I, I just curious, you know, like I've always been interested to to fly. I said well. Like, I can take you up in the air and see if you like it, and and then you make a decision. So we, uh, you know, went up in the air. It looks a little scared at the beginning because you know being on the small plane and uh, when it shakes a uh, little turbulence and stuff like that, you can see he he's not familiar with what it's what experience like and what it's going to be like, you know, being in a small plane, you know, he was a little bit nervous, but uh, you can see he was loosened up towards the end after like an hour flying. Uh, he took even controls, fly around, make it turns, like I tell him what to do. And he actually uh, was really natural. I told him, I said, you know, some people, uh, they start flying all over the place because they, they can't get the full control of the airplane. They're like, they're not, they start descending or climbing without even realizing. Uh, the one thing he, uh, he, he did, he was making a turn he was really funny, uh, you know. He was making a turn of uh, the airplane, and and the, and the airplane shook because of the turbulence. So after that, he was kind of nervous to make a turn. But he's like, "Why is the airplane not turning?" I said, "Well, you're leaning to me with your shoulder, and you're thinking you're turning. You got to turn the yoke, not the shoulder." So like he was moving his body more than he was turning the the you know the yoke. But uh, you know he was like I said I said you natural. I think you'll be fine to fly. And uh, when we got on the ground and I said so what do you think? Like are you gonna start taking the flying lessons? I was like um, uh, you know I gotta think about it. I don't know. I think maybe whatever. So anyway uh, yesterday he texted me back. I was like okay where's the next flight? When are we gonna fly again? I said well I guess you liked it. You know we we had a good good uh, good flight around uh, Shom New York. City and you know he, uh, I think I, you know usually when we take people close to Manhattan uh, um, you know the low altitude and people realize the future if you have your own plane what you can do with the family blah 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 and uh, I think I'm sure you probably have that in mind. Well, Alex, speaking of turbulence, there's been so many changes with the KHL season. We have seen some high-profile departures. There's a salary cap. Kunlin is still formulating its roster. So in a season of so much uncertainty coming up, how are you preparing ahead of becoming the head coach for the first time? Believe it or not, uh, I'm every day when I get up 7 in the morning and I my I only start putting my phone at 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, just to have a, something to eat. I have to recharge my phone after 2 two hours. It's constantly conversations, constantly talk and you know the time, the limited time we have uh, to assemble our team and coaching staff and everything else. I mean this is this is crazy. This is too much. I mean I didn't expect that but you know what uh, we we at this point uh, nothing we can do and I'm trying to do maximum. I got a 
lot of papers right now. I'm sitting in the, my office. I have a lot of papers in front of me with different uh, uh, names of the players, uh, Russian, uh, Europeans, Americans, and Canadians. So I have to go through some roster, you know, pick players that uh, be interested in him, maybe have a chance to bring him to training camp or sign him right away. So it's like it's a lot, it's a lot of work. But uh, like, again, you know, nobody told us, you know, we're going to come down to this era where you're going to have a virus and you're not going to have much access to certain things but you know we we have to we always adjust we we have to deal with that at the same time uh, making the decisions and uh, keep working keep working hard well alex we're going to end it there uh, we appreciate you taking the time during your busy time getting ready for the season uh, you've had a wonderful career you're a fan favorite with the ranger fans we appreciate you and maybe sometime this winter we'll talk again to see how you're doing so thanks a lot we wish you the very best uh no problem guys anytime call me ladies and gentlemen we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation that puts the icing on the cake for episode 34 of Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple and write a positive review, please. We appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RonDugay10. Thanks for joining us, folks. Talk to you all next week for Rangers Playoff Preview Show. Stay safe out there.